Chapter Fifty One of the House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lafano. Chapter Fifty One. How Charles Nutter's tea, pipe, and tobacco box were all set out for him in the small parlour at the mills and how that night was passed in the house by the churchyard mrs nutter and mrs sturk the wives of the two men who most hated one another within the vicinage of chapel is it natural enemies holding aloof one from another and each regarding the other in a puzzled way with a sort of apprehension and horror as the familiar of that worst and most formidable of men her husband were this night stricken with a common fear and sorrow darkness descended on the mills and the river a darkness deepened by the umbrageous trees that grouped about the old grey house in which poor mrs nutter lay so ill at ease moggy carried the jingling tray of tea-things into nutter's little study and lighted his candles and set the silver snuffers in the dish and thought she heard him coming and ran back again and returned with the singing tea kitchen and then away again for the thin buttered toast under its china cover which our ancestors loved then she listened but twas a mistake it was the widow mccann's staff who carried the ten pailfuls of water up from the river to fill the butt in the back yard every tuesday and friday for a shilling a week and a cup of tay with the girls in the kitchen then moggy lighted the fire with the stump of a candle for the night was a little chill and she set the small round table beside it and laid her master's pipe and tobacco-box on it and listened and began to wonder what detained him so she went out into the sharp still air and stood on the hall doorstep and listened again presently she heard the widow mccann walking up from the garden with the last pail on her head who stopped when she saw her and set down the vessel upon the corner of the clumsy little balustrade by the doorstep so moggy declared her uneasiness which waxed greater when mrs mccann told her that the master god bless him wasn't in the garden she had seen him standing at the river's edge while she passed and repassed he did not move a finger or seem to notice her and was looking down into the water when she came back the third or fourth time he was gone at moggy's command she went back into the garden though she assured her solemnly twas nonsense looking there and called mr nutter at first in a deferential and hesitating way but emboldened and excited by the silence for she began to feel unaccountably queer in a louder and louder a key till she was certain that he was neither in the garden nor in the orchard nor anywhere near the house and when she stopped the silence seemed awful and the darkness under the trees closed round her with a supernatural darkness and the river at the foot of the walk seemed snorting some inarticulate story of horror 
so she locked the garden door quickly looking over her shoulder for she knew not what and ran faster than she ever did along the sombre walk up to the hall door and told her tale to moggy and begged to carry the pail in by the hall door in they came and moggy shut the hall door and turned the key in it perhaps was the state in which the poor lady lay upstairs that helped to make them excited and frightened betty was sitting by her bedside and toole had been there and given her some opiate i suppose for she had dropped into a flushed snoring sleep a horrid counterfeit of repose but she had first had two or three frightful fits and all sorts of wild screaming talk between them perhaps it was the apparition of mary matchwell whose evil influence was so horribly attested by the dismal spectacle she had left behind her that predisposed them to panic but assuredly each anticipated no good from the master's absence and had a foreboding of something bad of which they did not speak but only disclosed it by looks and listening and long silences the lights burning in nutter's study invited them and there the ladies seated themselves and made their tea in the kitchen teapot and clapped it on the hob and listened for sounds from mrs nutter's chamber and for the step of her husband crossing the little courtyard and they grew only more nervous from listening and there came every now and then a little tapping on the window-pane it was only i think a little sprig of the climbing rose that was nailed by the wall nodding at every breath and rapping like unseen finger-tops on the glass but as small things will with such folk under such circumstances it frightened them confoundedly then on a sudden there came a great yell from poor mrs nutter's chamber and they both stood up very pale the widow mccann with a cup in her hand that she was tossing at the moment and moggy all aghast invoked a blessing under her breath and they heard loud cries and sudden volleys of talk and biddy's voice soothing the patient poor mrs nutter had started up all on a sudden from her narcotic doze with a hideous scream that had frightened the women downstairs then she cried where am i oh the witch the witch oh no mom dear replied betty now aisy mom darling i'm going mad no mom dear there now sure tis poor betty that's in it don't be afeard mom oh betty hold me don't go i'm mad am i mad then in the midst of betty's consolations she broke into a flood of tears and seemed in some sort relieved and betty gave her her drops again and she began to mumble to herself and so to doze at the end of another ten minutes with a scream she started up again that's her step where are you betty she shrieked and when betty ran to the bedside she held her so hard that the maid was ready to cry out leering all the time over her shoulder where's charles nutter i saw him speaking to you then the poor little woman grew quieter and by her looks and moans 
and the clasping of her hands and her upturned eyes seemed to be praying and when betty stealthily opened the press to take out another candle her poor mistress uttered another terrible scream crying you wretch her head won't fit you can't hide her and the poor woman jumped out of her bed shrieking charles 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 betty grew so nervous and frightened that she fairly bawled to her colleague moggy and told her she would not stay in the room unless she sat up all night with her so together they kept watch and ward and as the night wore on mrs nutter's slumbers grew more natural and less brief and her paroxysms of waking terror less maniacal still she would waken with a cry that thrilled them from some frightful vision and seemed to hear or see nothing aright for a good while after and muttering to the frightened maids listen to the knocking oh breathing outside the door bolt it betty girls say your prayers tis he or sometimes tis she and thus this heavy night wore over and the wind which began to rise as the hours passed made sounds full of sad untranslatable meaning in the ears of the watchers poor mrs stirk meanwhile in the house by the churchyard sat listening and wondering and plying her knitting needles in the drawing-room when the hour of her barney's expected return had passed some time she sent down to the barrack and then to the club and then on to the king's house with her service to mrs stafford to inquire after her spouse but her first and her second round of inquiries dispatched at the latest minute at which she was likely to find anybody out of bed to answer them were altogether fruitless and the lights went out in one house after another and the phoenix shut its doors and her own servants were for hours gone to bed and the little town of chapel is it was buried in the silence of universal slumber and poor mrs stirk still sat in her drawing-room more and more agitated and frightened but her missing soldier did not turn up and leonora sat and listened hour after hour no sound of return not even the solemn clank and fiery snort of the fiend horse under her window or the hulu hula my life my love of the phantom rider cheated her with a momentary hope poor mrs stark she raised the window a few inches that she might the better hear the first distant ring of his coming on the road she forgot he had not his horse that night and was but a pedestrian but somehow the night breeze through the aperture made a wolfish howling and sobbing that sounded faint and far away and had a hateful character of mingled despair and banter in it she said every now and then aloud to reassure herself what a noise the wind makes to be sure and after a while she opened the window wider but her candle flared the flame tossed wildly about and the perplexed lady feared it might go out absolutely so she shut down the window altogether for she could not bear the ill-omened baying any longer 
so it grew to be past two o'clock and she was afraid that barney would be very angry with her for sitting up should he return she went to bed therefore where she lay only more feverish conjecturing and painting frightful pictures till she heard the crow of the early village cock and the caw of the jackdaw wailing close to the eaves as he took wing in the grey of the morning to show her that the business of a new day had commenced and yet barney had not returned not long after seven o'clock dr toole with juno caesar dido and sneak at his heels paid his half-friendly half-professional visit at the mills poor little mrs nutter was much better quiet for her was everything packed up of course with a little physic and having comforted her as well as he was able he had a talk with moggy in the hall and all about nutter's disappearance and how mrs mackin saw him standing by the river's brink and that was the last anyone near the house had seen of him and a thought flashed upon toole and he was very near coming out with it but checked himself and only said what hat had he on so she told him and was his name writ in it and how was it marked two big letters a c and an n i see and do you remember any other mark you'd know it by well yes i stitched the lining only last month with red silk and that's how i remember the letters i know and are you sure it was that hat he had on certain sure why there's all the rest and she conned them over as they hung on their pegs on the rack before them now don't let the mistress be downhearted keep her up moggy do you mind i told her the master was with lord castle mallard since yesterday evening on business and don't you say anything else keep her quiet do you mind and humour her and away went tool at a swift pace to the town again and entered the barrack and asked to see the adjutant and then to look at the hat the corporal had fished up by bloody bridge and by jupiter his heart gave a couple of great bounces and he felt himself grow pale they were the identical capitals c n and the clumsy red silk stitching in the lining tool was off forthwith and had a fellow dragging the river before three-quarters of an hour dr walsingham returning from an early ride to island bridge saw this artist at work with his ropes and great hooks at the other side of the river and being a man of inquiring mind and never having witnessed the process before he cried out to him after some moments lost in conjecture my good man what are you fishing for a land agent answered isaac walton a land agent repeated the rector misdoubting his ears the saturnine angler made no answer and has a gentleman been drowned here he persisted the man only looked at him across the stream and nodded eh and his name pray old nutter of the mills he replied the rector made a woeful ejaculation and stared at the careless operator 
who had a pipe in his mouth the while which made him averse from conversation he would have liked to ask him more questions but he was near the village and refrained himself and he met toole at the corner of the bridge who leaning on the shoulder of the rector's horse gave him the sad story in full end of chapter 51 recording by john brandon